Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to episode 33 of the Women's Running Podcast. I'm Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running, and in this episode, I speak to Mel Bound. This is the second time we've had Mel on the podcast, and there's a very good reason for that. In recent weeks, we've launched the We Will campaign. We have been appalled at what feels like a recent rise in the harassment and heckling of women runners. And Mel and I got together to talk about that. And once we started talking about it, we started thinking about our own experiences and then every woman runner's experience. At Women's Running, we had sent out a survey in January and one of the questions there was how safe women felt when they ran. And 69% of them didn't feel safe. 69%. So then we asked them more questions about the experiences that made them not feel safe. And oh God, we weren't prepared for the onslaught. Heckling shouting, body shaming, following, stalking, waiting, threatening, spitting, hitting, groping. And no matter what the experience was, these women felt danger and fear. And for some of them, it stopped them from running altogether. So we want to do something about that. And part of what we're doing is launching We Will, in which we're asking for everyone, men and women, to pledge small changes that will have a combined bigger impact. We want women to tell their stories. We want to educate our young men. And we want to challenge the status quo. And we want to run without fear. I speak to Mel here about all of this, our own experiences, and how we'd like you to help. Find out more about We Will at wewillcampaign.com and follow us on Instagram. And if you can, Pledge what you'll do to help women run without fear. Let's talk about our campaign. So talk to me as if I don't know anything, right? So what made you decide that we needed to do something about women's safety? Well, I think I woke up, I think all of us 
all, all women for a while have had this kind of low level, God, I'm just, I really want something to change. You'd see this high profile thing, you know, something high profile would appear in the press and it'd be there for a couple of months and then it would disappear or <clears throat> there'd be, you know, a flurry of conversations in the This Mum Runs community about, you know, being heckled and it, it putting putting them off going for a run. And so there'd been this kind of underlying, oh, I, just re- I really want to do something. Yeah. And then I think three weeks ago, I woke up and there's obviously been a lot of stuff in the news recently, hasn't there, about um, attacks on women and, and worse. And I woke up and I felt this rage and I just, and, and actually it brought me to tears. It actually brought me to tears. And, um, and I just, I, I think I'd reached the point personally where I, I certainly had had enough. And, you know, I first experienced harassment out on a run when I was 10 that was first my first experience of of being you know having names called and heckled and many 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 times since mm. and i think there was just a, a moment for me 3 weeks ago where i thought i i don't know what i don't know what i'm going to do or what we can do but we're going to try something and it's just a, a moment of of personal commitment i think that actually for women to you know there's so many barriers that women have to overcome to be able to make time for regular exercise anyway especially mums as we all know um that worrying about whether we're going to be safe ought to be something we should take we we can take off the table Mm -hmm. it ought to be something that we can actually take off the table um and so i started thinking about that obviously picked up the phone to you um and a couple of other women who are you know fiercely feminist and uh, working in sport and, and very, very passionate about uh, removing barriers for women. Um, and we set about, you know, thinking about what it was we could do and and talking around lots of ideas. And is it about, is it about really about make men taking responsibility or is it about uh, changes in the law or is it, you know, what is it? Mm-hmm. And, um, and where we landed was, Actually, there's well, there's no one thing that's going to fix this problem. It's so pervasive, isn't it? It's been in certainly in my life for as long as I can remember, and I know for for many, or actually everyone I know, all the women I know, um, it's just something that's now in our subconscious, and we and we all just you know adapt the, the things that we do to to deal with it every day. Yeah. Um, so there's so there's not going to be one thing that fixes this, um, but starting with a campaign that aims to bring men and women together not divide us mm-hmm. um, that is really focused on small personal commitments which we can all make can't we it's not you know I'm going to wholesale change my life it's just small personal commitments that we can make that that together ladder up and, and collectively can actually lead to really incredible change yeah and the change being for me the change is that you know my 10 year old daughter who, who's just started running with me you know, when she's when she's out running in on her own and in, in, in her teens and twenties, that she's not worrying about being beeped at, that she, having her, you know names called and 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 worse. That you know we can actually, as women, put on our trainers, step out the front door, and really all we have to worry about is what route we're going to do and have we got our headphones and have we got some water. Like you know, men are able to do when they go out for a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was that was the start of hashtag We Will. <laughs> Uh, whirlwind, a whirlwind of the you know the last two weeks, isn't it? It's it's been yeah. crazy in the t- kind of um, support for it since we launched it. It's been insane. 
exciting, exhilarating. You know, there hasn't really, I don't think in all the, um, you know, the comments and, and messages that we've received, there's been a single negative, not one single negative, no. not one single, but oh God, not another camp, nothing mm. that other than, than a positive response um, from within the running community, from male running crews, from women running crews, from outside of the running community. It's almost like a sense of relief, like, oh, okay, we, there is something we can do. It's going to be positive. It's going to be together. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the pledges that have been pouring in have just been incredible. Yeah, it's been amazing, isn't it? I think because um, what I love was that we sort of reached the same point at the same time. Yeah. And yeah, like for me, like you, I, I remember you saying that how you'd woken up absolutely kind of furious. And I think I'd woken up absolutely exhausted. And it was to do yeah. with the fact that we kept on we kept on printing stories about women that had been attacked while they'd been running. And, and we, we kept on focusing on them on our site. And there were, there were sort of three in quick succession. And I remember sending the last one off to the digital crew and just going, right, can you, can you put something up about this? It's really important. And I think we interviewed one of the women involved. Um, and that just sending it and just thinking, bloody hell. You know, that's another one, another one, another one. And I think to some extent it was, it was exhaustion, but it was also, this is, this is good because people, women were reporting what might be perceived as quite low level stuff. Yeah. Um, but they were explaining how it made them feel. Yeah. Um, and suddenly it meant that we could have, we were having conversations about what did and what didn't constitute a crime, but also what is uncomfortable and inappropriate for women and what can prevent Mm. them from running you know Mm. it it can go like this sort of behavior can be as small as someone shouting what they think are words of encouragement yeah you know maybe someone that's brand brand new to running that's you know it might have taken them weeks to pluck up the courage to actually go out the front door to have that kind of heckling I guess that's what it is isn't it yeah it might be enough to stop them ever going out again yeah and, and I mean I've been running for decades and for anyone to even acknowledge that I'm running while I'm running <laughs> is you know is enough to make it a bit weird because I I, yeah. I want to disappear into the background and yeah. I, and plenty of runners do particularly yeah if they're new yeah you know you're not sort of you know chest forward and pounding the streets and going hurrah I, you know I feel like Sebastian Coe or something and you don't you just you've you know oh, I just want to hide here a little bit and hope that no one... know, so that's one of the thing that's things that's been really interesting actually uh, uh, and maybe it's been one of the catalysts for me personally is one of the one of the results of lockdown has been that um, the kind of more elite runners amongst us haven't been able to train on tracks mm. they've had to kind of go out and pound the roads like the rest of us and they've experienced heckling and, and harassment. And so there's been, a, there's been a lot of kind of discussion in the media about the impact on, on those athletes yeah. and, and, and shock, I think, from them that actually that was even going on. Yeah. Um, and, and then all the way down to, you know, the, the, the women in, in our mutual communities who, who might be completely new to running. And like you say, they just, you know, they're dressed in black and they want to go out under cover of darkness and they certainly do not want to be noticed and recognised and beat at and shouted at. Mm-hmm. It's women at every end of the spectrum. I think that's yeah. another th- has been another realisation for me over the last few weeks and months. It's, it's all of us. It affects all of us. Yeah. No matter how experienced 
a runner we are. Yeah, it's kind of, as we were talking about a bit earlier, it's kind of the, the volume, the, the differential inexperience that, that we can have at, when we go running in terms of harassment and heckling and stuff is it, massive. You know, you, could, you can have those kind of, you know, keep your knees up comments at one end but that can rise to all sorts of horrific name calling yeah yeah at the other end and then and you're right yeah it's kind of affecting all women of all abilities everywhere it sounds like but what I also found quite interesting was that we asked for people's experiences um on women's running just to ask them you know you know what's happened to you and we did have of the hundreds of people that responded to us we did have one or two people say I've not experienced anything. I've been running for years and years and years. I've not experienced anything. And and of those one or two people, they, they sort of stuck out a bit because obviously so many people have experienced yeah. awful behavior. So they, they, they did stick out. And what was interesting with the people that hadn't experienced any kind of issues in terms of their safety, they questioned whether we should be doing the campaign in the first place because we're sort of focusing in on on what people have experienced and therefore kind of making women feel unsafe before they go mm. out. What do you think of that? Well, do you know, it's, it, we had a similar kind of conversations within This Man Runs as well. And there were, we, we shared a, um, a graphic that had, um, and it's a, a similar graphics have been going around on social media the last few weeks around, you know, that kind of list of things that we do as women that make us feel safer when we go out running, whether that's you know, planning a well-lit route or um, having our keys in our hand or 999 dialed into our phone or, you know, there's a list of 10 or 15 things that we shared. And one of the things that for me was really interesting was the number of women that said, actually, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't, um, I didn't realise I was worried about my safety. I've never necessarily experienced direct harassment and I didn't realise that I was worried about my safety, but I, I can tick every single one of the things on this list. Mm. So I think even for the women that hadn't directly had that experience, it was still in their subconscious that they didn't feel safe. And so they were taking steps to make sure that, that they did feel safe or that they would be safe. And, and I think they were shocked by that as well, that, it's, it's, that they'd kind of adapted their behavior to such an extent that they didn't even realize they were doing it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those women had also shared those things with their partners and they were even more shocked that you know that we as women were having to that we're we're doing these things and we weren't even thinking about it um and so I think I think for me that's you know for me that is evidence of exactly why we ought to be doing this campaign a that so that you know women are able to share their experiences in a safe environment and um and and that we can have these conversations around these subconscious behaviors that we all make um behavior changes that we will make to enable us to feel safer we're doing it without even realizing it so i'd be interested to see you know the women that replied on, on you know in your discussions whether they whether they actually did those things and um yeah and, and and those those discussions are really important i think um and and the reality is the majority of women the vast majority of women have experienced some some level of harassment there's 79 of runners in your in your recent survey, um, yeah. that is not insignificant, and so that that is that is why what, yeah. that is why we're running this campaign, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, I, when I think about kind of the things I do and um, the things I've experienced, like one example I I tend to give is not necessarily at the bad end of the spectrum, 
and in fact it's just an experience of running behind a bloke um i'm running around and i i one of my routes is to run around the periphery of a park like it's the road bit with with yeah uh, well lit proper road and i go around the circumference of this of this park and i was running behind a bloke in the dark at about half six in the morning and he ran into the park and and i ran past and went straight through you know onto the road kind of thing and just for the rest of the run i just thought to myself i wouldn't even consider running into yeah. a dark unlit park but that bloke, on your own yeah on my own i'm not entirely sure i do it with another person even yeah but that bloke didn't even you know I, maybe he did think twice i'm not sure i wasn't inside his brain but he just went for it and i just i yeah. remember thinking about the kind of the the unfairness the injustice yeah. of it you know yeah just unbelievable yeah. well you know i yesterday i did quite a lot of trail running and um i i went for a run yesterday somewhere that i'd never been before um i i think i've become obsessed with finding quiet places to run since lockdown mm-hmm. um and you know the places i might have run before just there's just too many people for me to to ironically for me to feel safe so i'm constantly seeking out quiet places mm-hmm. but with that brings you know considerations around safety and so you know i arrived at my run you know lovely bright sunny day woodland um you know lots of not lots of people walking there but you know lots of farmhouses and you know there's things around but you know I get out of my car the first thing I do is send a Strava beacon to my husband so he knows exactly where I am and and then I'm looking at the route and I'm thinking and I'm really weighing up um where I want to go based on where's where's safest Mm. um and not wanting to get stuck in you know in a uh, not wanting to get lost and not wanting to get stuck you know deep in the woods where you know there, maybe there's no mobile signal and I couldn't call for help and you know so all these things are going through my mind all the time whereas my if it was my husband and he arrived at the woods he'd just lace up his trainers and off he would go he wouldn't send me you know he wouldn't send me a, a message letting me know where he was I wouldn't be tracked I wouldn't be at home tracking him wondering yeah. where he was yeah it's like that cat and Moran thing that she put out on um twitter didn't she when she was talking about how she it got to four o'clock in the afternoon and she thought oh well, that's my window of going for a run yeah. gone but then her husband yeah. wanted to run at six yeah uh, yeah and it's yeah it's just that's... making sure that people can acknowledge the differences in their behavior that are based yeah. on a kind of subconscious of kind of fear essentially yeah um yeah do you know and we, we i know we talked briefly um Oh, yesterday, I guess, I, because I forwarded you that um, brilliant Hadley Freeman article. And we were talking about yeah. how powerful that was. So, so um, what she'd done was list all of the experiences that she'd had. Um, and they were really upsetting. But some yeah. of them that I was talking to my husband about it this morning, and I was saying some of them, it was interesting because some of them were more of a feeling than something that you could sort of specifically say had, had happened, but they, that the we're feeling saying. of fear had stayed with her ever since. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think that I really want to push across with We Will is that is the fact that something yeah. that can happen to you when you're 12 that might be seen as being relatively minor can still be with you when you're yeah. seven. Yeah. And make you sort of avoid. I, yeah. I mean, I, I thought the, um, I, uh, you know, I, I read that article. I love Hadley anyway, but I read that article and I thought, I bet you every woman in the country is going to relate to this. Mm. Um, you know, she'd broken it down into 10 chapters, hadn't she? So there was a couple of them in three or four, I don't know, two, 
I'm going to make her sound like she's 80 now, but it, it broken into each decade of her life, starting when she was 10 years old. No, she was starting when she was seven years old. Yeah. And she was out at the playground and someone flashed her. Yeah. And every, you know, every, you know, dec- every decade of her life, she'd experienced more. And, um, you know, it was so relatable. It was so relatable. And I think all of us could find episodes like that in our life. You know, like you say, that aren't necessarily, you know, having something done to us, but but that lead to a feeling of that really stays with us. And um, I think, as you know, I said earlier, my, my first experience was when I was 10 and I was out running with my, um, my next door neighbor who was really glamorous. She used to, she used to jog in a pink, a hot pink boiler suit with like her hair all beautifully done and a full face of makeup. She was so glamorous. It's like little skinny bean me running alongside in my, my velour shorts. And, um, I was out running with her one day, you know, really, you know, lived in a kind of quiet suburban village and um, this gang of boys cycled past and said, oi, fatty, fatty bum bum on the left and whacked on the bum as they went past. And I remember where I was. I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly how that felt. And that feeling has stayed with me my whole life. Mm. and so you know she's right in that it's it can be something that's got that's a momentary thing and it's gone and it's just a bunch of silly boys doing something silly mm-hmm. but for women that that feeling stays with us doesn't it Absolutely. and when and when that happens over and over and over again even if it's kind of micro behaviors mm. it just it just it kind of leads to an underlying sense of unease and and, and or worse, you know, being so fearful that we actually change what we do. Yeah. What and what other sorts of experiences have you had, like as a as a as an adult? Um, a lot of name calling. Um, I've I've been chased a couple of times. So I I, I run along the towpath, um, and I've, I'm constantly thinking about escape routes when I'm on the towpath because there, there aren't really any. And so it makes me feel very exposed. And um, I, I had an incident a couple of years ago where, looking back on it, I actually feel like there was more, it was something more, even more sinister than I felt at the time. But I was, I was running along the towpath and um, I cut up the towpath into the woods and it is, quite, it is quite remote in there. And halfway up the... Um, the hill was a uh, motorbike lying on its side. And I remember thinking, what is that motorbike doing? What is that motorbike? How did the motorbike even get up here? And I was looking at it and I just had this really deep sense of, of, of unease, a really kind of gut instinct. Do not go past, do not go past that bike. And so I thought I'm going to turn around and go back the other way. And as I turned around to go back the other way, these two men, came into the uh into the entrance to the kind of off the towpath up to the hill mm. and I just thought I don't like this I feel like I've been corralled into danger basically so I I couldn't go down because they were now walking up towards me so I just basically had to sprint up the hill and which is about half a mile long and really steep mm. And I sprinted, I, and I've never run from top to bottom before, From sorry, from bottom to top before. I normally have to walk in the middle, but I ran the whole way up from bottom to top. And I, reflecting on it afterwards, I really feel like it was, it felt like it was some sort of trap. Like it was there deliberately to make me, the bike was there to make me walk back down and, that, that, and those two guys are waiting for me. Mm-hmm. That's genuinely how it felt. Um, it took me a long time to even think about running on that towpath again. 
I still, I still think about that moment as when I run past. I've never had, actually haven't run back up that hill through the woods again since. And that was a regular route for me. You must have had a lot of experiences from your group as well. I mean, so, so, so many. And um, yeah, I mean, fright, some frightening stuff as well. You know, as I said, you know, there's a lot of name calling, so much name calling. And some of it is absolutely vile. Um, but, you know, also women that have, you know, been out running on their own and they've had men in cars crawling along behind them and then speeding up a bit and then stopping and then crawling along behind them. Um, yeah, that, can you imagine how terrifying, how terrifying that must feel? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had, uh, particularly on kind of more remote, like the bike, the cycle path, for example, between Bristol and Bath, there's been, you know, a, a, a history of attacks along there. So, you know, people on bikes chasing women running or blocking their path so they had to turn back or, you know, so many stories like that. Mm. Um, and then recently in Bristol, and this actually this this wasn't a woman in in um, this one runs community, although she has reached out to us since. But there was a woman who um, she was running at it was seven o'clock in the evening, so it was it was dark, but it was still you know that's a, that's the sort of time a lot of us would go out for a run, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and she'd run round. She was running in an area that was really well lit, and there was this tiny stretch of. Um, a part of road between uh, the kind of round a, a kind of parkland and then another road and there was this stretch of road that was quite dark and I think anyone anyone who's ever read that round that stretch of road worries about it you know I've I, I've I've definitely experienced that feeling of unease myself running on that particular stretch of road it's maybe 50 meters long it's not very long um, and this was about two weeks ago. She she completed her run. She ran down that little stretch, and she heard footsteps behind her. And um, and she was she was sexually assaulted. And um, she was I mean, she was brave enough to kind of well, not only report it, and she called the police, and the police were there very quickly. But she's subsequently kind of come out and spoken very openly about her experience. And um, you know, I think all of us within this one runs community think that could have happened to any of us. That's a route we run really regularly. It's, um, it's a, it's a part of the route that I think all of us would say on our own, we would slightly worry about, we would be, you know, a little bit uneasy and would maybe speed up to get along that a little bit of road. But yeah, you know, it's, I mean, every day I'd say there's, there's stories of some level from harassment all the way up to much worse. Yeah. And I, mean, I think there's something, to be said that that woman in particular I think also she was she was so brave in in kind of speaking about it very publicly but also very canny because she reported it and so many women don't report it because they don't think I think that they don't think they're going to be listened to yeah or or, or supported in any way shape or form or they think that because it's kind of you know in in kind of quotes low level um you know, a bum group or a, or a kind of, yeah. or something like that. They're just going to sort of think, well, you know, the police aren't going to take that seriously, but the police do take it seriously. And yeah. I think that's another thing that we really want to get out there is that the police yeah. take it incredibly seriously, because as you said to me, not only can this behavior widen and that person could go and do the same thing to other people, but that behavior could escalate in itself. Exactly. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's very much the message we've had from the police. And they, what they have said to us in the past is enc- encourage your community to report every incident because it might be that, you know, it could be something 
quite low level, like you say, like, um, you know, someone's following a woman or, you know, calling them nasty names or shouting out the window of a car. Mm. But there might be a pattern of that in a particular area. And so if, if we all report it, then you know, the, the police might put uh, extra patrols in that area and, you know, they will, they will log it. They will listen. And certain behaviors are criminal, are, are criminal as well. So they will actively investigate it. So, I mean, one of the things that we really encourage women to do is however minor something feels always phone 101 and, and report it, report it. And the police will take it seriously, even if they don't send someone out immediately and, you know, seemingly are actively investigating it, they will log it. And if there's a pattern happening in a particular area, they will act on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the the other thing that we talked about um, was that some people out there that we've engaged with are concerned that we are asking men to change their behavior. So we're kind of accusing men somehow, or all men, perhaps, of harassment. But but we're not. In fact, we're, I mean, we're not accusing anyone of anything, are we? And, and it's more to do with kind of asking everyone to do a little positive change. But, but I mean, what, yeah. what can we say to people that are all a bit kind of not all men? Well, it's not all men, but it is always men. <laughs> um, so that's the first thing. And I think that we deliberately, you know, when we were when we were thinking about the campaign, we deliberately wanted to make it as inclusive and collective as possible because there are things that all of us can do. And uh, you know, a lot of men were also asking on social media, "Tell us what to do." Mm. Um, and I, you know, I think this campaign is about is saying we're not going to tell you what to do, but we will ask you to think about what you could do, what small change you could make, whether that's you know, thinking about your own behavior or calling out your mate's behavior if you see it or calling out, you know, something if you see it in the street or, you know, the, the, the conversations you have with your own children. Those small things are actually big things when you take them in a kind of uh, a collective view of, of lots of people making those small changes. Yeah, just what I've noticed um, from our Instagram, our lovely Instagram feed is that, um and someone else commented on that this morning actually was the the pledges from men that we're getting seem somehow more powerful yeah and you know we we need to get more men involved in it they they look yeah. more powerful because it looks like somehow it looks like they they are kind of presenting themselves as well as feminists that they're kind of stepping out of their comfort zone they're kind of setting themselves apart slightly and yeah. um and and it's kind of it, these you know the people that we've asked the people that have or the people that have pledged off their own back these are good men we know they're good men otherwise why yeah. would they be doing it yeah um but it's kind of it's encouraging them to kind of put themselves out of their comfort zone a bit but I, I you know how how do we get more men involved what do we do uh well I think it's a good question and I think it's gonna be one of our challenges over the next few weeks because I think the um when you look at the pledges and we've had well over a thousand pledges that I most of those I've not even been able to load onto the Instagram feed yet because there's just so many Mm -hmm. which is obviously fantastic that's a great problem to have um but the the uh, when you look at the the split of our followers um it's still the the vast majority are women Mm. a very small percentage of men and so I think that's going to be one of the challenges for us, really looking at how do we, where do we even reach more men? You know, is it, maybe it's not Instagram, maybe it's not Twitter. Where where do we reach men that are actually 
going to get behind this campaign, are going to be interested and inspired by what we're trying to do, and want to get involved. Um, and I think also the other thing that we're looking at with This Mum Runs is using our network of women to reach a network of men. So how can we engage, you know, we're, we're engaging the women in our community already, but how do we support them to engage their partners, their families, their brothers, their friends, so that we can, you know, just build the awareness of what we're trying to do and make it as accessible as possible to men. Because I think one of the challenges we've had so far is I think the men that have, uh, uh, there are many men that want to get involved, but actually they kind of make that commitment and think, but I need to make a pledge that really means something. And then they're overthinking it. And then they, that gives them kind of pledge block almost. They don't, (laughs) they don't know what to write down and what to pledge. So I, I think kind of taking the pressure off a little bit and thinking like just thinking at quite a granular level, you know, even just I'm going to have a conversation with my friend about this or I'm going to talk to my daughter about what consent. I don't know, something something that feels relatively small. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other, other block for a lot of men is actually not they're not really as active on certain social media channels as as perhaps women are. So then encouraging them to actually um take a photo and share it on a channel so we can find it is that you know that's a bit of a challenge it's a practical challenge yeah so i think those are those are things that we're going to be working through um as we put more plans together so ideally what what do you want from this what what do you want to happen oh the million dollar question (laughs) i think ultimately where we're all trying to get to and whether i don't even know whether this will happen in my lifetime esther honestly but where I want this to get to is that women, any woman who wants to go out for a ride and can literally just put her trainers on and head out the door and run wherever she wants without thinking twice. Mm. That's the ultimate goal, isn't it? Um, and how we get there at the moment, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. And that there's going to be many things that we together that we that, um, that we're going to plan and work on and some things will work and some things won't but for me that is the ultimate goal and I've got my 10 year old daughter in mind all the time you know that's I, what I want for her is <clears throat> is you know something that I think my son will take for granted yeah as they're growing up so I kind of want that equality I guess for for women runners to just be able to run really freely wherever and whenever they want and that doesn't feel too much to ask does it it doesn't does it but you know, you preface that by saying, I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. And so suddenly you realise what a it matter might not, is. It might not. It <laughs> might not. But we might, but we, but we might make a hell of a lot of progress. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I really hope that there's something here that we can do. I mean, I loved, I loved that, the, the Telegraph article when we first launched, which described we, uh, we Will as being running's Me Too movement, which I thought was fantastic because the whole brilliant thing about Me Too, I mean, it, you know, started from a place of such awful hurt and pain. But the fact that it, it started those conversations. And yeah. I don't think I ever ended up having the big conversation with my partner about it, where I listed everything that had happened to me in the way that Hadley Freeman did over the weekend. But I certainly, I remember reflecting on everything that had happened and listing them things and and that was you know that's slightly different we're talking about men in positions of power and ways Mm. in which they have used that power and I thought about that and then with with our campaign started thinking about those experiences that I've had that that are 
kind of approach, you know, that, that I do with our campaign. And as soon as you start thinking about them and as soon as you start telling people, it's it's a horrific list. But yeah. it starts that conversation, didn't it? Yeah. So it, it meant that's that, progress already, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It meant that it meant that I I could accept that those things had affected me. Yeah, because I've said them out loud. Yeah, and and it meant that in some cases I was saying things that you know I was telling like my mum about experiences that I had thirty years ago that she was not aware of that I didn't tell her because I felt too ashamed, <laughs> and you know things I've not told my partner because I think well he. what's the point or 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 what you know that I I, there was no other no other time in which you would sort of say oh you know yeah 35 years ago this happened and 20 years ago this happened and yeah but to actually explain to him these things happened and they're still with me and they still met them I think that was the thing that that because they kind of happen in isolation don't they and then they pass but I think what was really really affected me reading that article was when you actually think about those things like you say that have happened in your own life and then you put them in a sequence yeah and you think oh my god yeah I'd never actually really thought about it in that way and of course that's going to have affected me Mm um so that's progress that's progress to kind of recognize all of those moments and those things that have seemingly were seemingly you know fairly fairly insignificant or otherwise at the time Mm. but actually when you put them together they're really significant and that's you know just recognizing that, and and then maybe maybe being able to talk about those things with your uh, with your partner, or you know have those sorts of conversations with your kids as they grow up, depending what age they are as well. Is like that that is progress as well? Yeah, it is absolutely. And I think, like you were saying right at the beginning, there are so many many barriers that women face that prevent them from running, and if we can just remove a bit of one of them then then that's all to the good isn't it well I feel like this one is like so we I mean we spend you you and I both we spend all of our working life really thinking about those barriers and putting together content or initiatives or programs or communities or whatever that ultimately are about removing those barriers so that Mm. all women feel like they can do anything and when it comes to exercise anyway that's certainly what we do and um this feels like the final it's like the elephant in the room that no one ever really addresses. And so it feels like actually if we can remove this one, which is huge for so many women that all of those other things that we're working so hard to do have got, have actually got a chance of, of being effective. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, you know, listening to those experiences, particularly the women that said that they were shouted at once when they went out for the first time that they went running and then they never went running again. Yeah, I know. That's just, and that's so, so upsetting. It's yeah. so sad. It's like that that stopped you from doing the one thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, we're going to make it happen, I guess, right? We, we absolutely are. And the thing that I'm really excited about is to be doing it as a collective as well. You know, the group of women, women that we've got involved in this at, so far, and I'm sure there will be others joining us, mm-hmm. are powerhouses. You know, it, we're all women that like I said at the beginning we're fiercely feminist we're fiercely passionate about empowering women and removing barriers mm-hmm. and between us you know represent literally millions of women that you know the organizations we lead now or have led in the past um and that feels really exciting because it feels like you know we have the ability to make change happen um but I think others will join us and um you know it's definitely just the start 
It is. I mean, we've had such powerful messages of support from really, yeah. really big organizations now. Yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, I, I can see that it will snowball, but it, we need to nudge that snowball down a bit. So um, I'm hoping that we'll get, well, we just, we need more pledges. We need people to join us. Yeah. And we need to encourage That's the big ask at the moment, isn't it? So if anyone's listening and hasn't found us on Instagram yet, we're with we will dot campaign. Um, have a look at the feed. The feed's so inspiring, isn't it? With um, yeah. you know, stories and pledges and you know, all sorts of inspiration, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also on the website, which is we will campaign.com, there's um, you know, lots of you know interesting stats and art you know stories around why we're doing this but there's also some example pledges so for people that are listening thinking god i'd really like to get involved but i I just i can't work out what to put on my piece of paper there's some good inspiration on there as well that people can find and that that's the main ask really is just have a read about what we're doing follow us on on social media and if you want to take that next step and pledge then we'd love to to have you involved yeah brilliant oh thanks mel Please do show your support. Find out more about We Will at wewillcampaign.com and follow us on Instagram. And if you can, pledge what you'll do to help women run without fear. If you've experienced harassment while you've been running, please speak to the police. They will take you seriously and you could prevent another woman from being harassed. This episode was recorded over Zoom. The editor and composer was David Newman. Podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to Women's Running. Go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPod at the checkout to get 35% off as well as access to loads of extra goodies. Come and join Women's Running. We'd love to have you with us. Happy running. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.